All right, good stuff. Hey, and those homeless bags, just, just grab a couple on the way out. All right, do that. They're right there. They're located right in front of the sound booth in that box. Grab a couple of those. It's an opportunity to um, okay, be a blessing to somebody that really doesn't have much of anything. All right, and so we just want to, you know, what can that opportunity present uh, is what we want to see there. And so um, pray with me. God, just have your way uh, in this place today. We thank you for another day that we can come and worship you. Uh, God, and I just pray that our worship would be in spirit and in truth. It doesn't end when the music ends, God, uh, but it's a lifestyle that we live out. So I just pray that uh, over today, would you take these words that I'm about to say? Would you say what you want to say? Would you speak to people's hearts? Uh, would you just come in power uh, in Jesus' name? Amen. All right. Well, this is, uh, this is good stuff, man. The last uh, three weeks, or this will be the third week, we've been dealing with something called the Enduring Pursuit. And the Enduring Pursuit, uh, what we've discovered, hopefully, is that as we looked in Hebrews, that, that there's this, this great cloud of witnesses that's looking over us and that's cheering us on and, and, and that we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus during this, uh, during this life. And then we see the life of Paul in, in chapter 9 of Acts where uh, 8 and 9 and, and where we see the conversion of Saul to Paul and his life is, is greatly impacted uh, by the living Christ. And so we see this going on. Uh, and we see that Saul has a fork in the road moment where he is going to have to determine which way he's going to go and, and what pursuit is he going to go after. And, and so when we talk um, about following Christ, uh, we have to, again, ask these questions. What has my faith cost me? What is my faith costing me? Is my faith, in fact, cheap? All right. And then what, do I, what, do I, what am I going to spend my life pursuing? Because this is, this is a question that we have to deal with on a daily basis. What am I pursuing? Uh, there's no way that you can be real with yourself and not ask these questions. There's, not, there's no way that you can wake up and say, you know what, I want to serve God with all that I am. What is it going to cost me to serve you today, God? And so what I want us to, to do, all of us, and, it's, and I was thinking about this as, as I'm writing this stuff down and typing it up, is, you know, this isn't a question about a few of us. This is a question about all of us, including the guy speaking. What are we going to do? What is our cost going to be for following Christ? And, and so, see, Paul is going to, or Saul, excuse me, is going to learn that he, he's going to serve either the world or he's going to serve the living God. And so he has to make this tough decision. And there is, a, there is a set of standards that is set up that is exactly against what God desires for you. There is a road that you can walk on that is exactly against what God desires for you. And so as we talk and we continue on with this enduring pursuit and conclude it today, we have to ask the question, well, what if, if we talk about this race that we're supposed to run and we're supposed to fix our eyes on Jesus... What does that race look like then? All right? So we have to understand the race because I feel like a lot of us, what we can do is we can, we can from the stands, and how many of you guys are guilty of what I'm about to say, just a second, is from the stands, we can call the race. From the stands, we can say, man, they should have done this. From the stands, we can say, I would have run a different play from the stands, we could say, man, you need to slow your tempo down, all right? It's easy from the stands, right? It's easy from the outside looking in to say what this race and to have an understanding of the race or in some situations, I don't think I would have made that call if I was the ref. That was a horrible call, things that are happening in milliseconds. So it's easy to, to from the outside to give advice. Suddenly, when we get on the course Right, or we get in the game, something changes. Our advice and our expertise goes away as quick as the lo- uh, uh, wow, just learning to speak as quick as the oxygen in our lungs goes away. All right, how many of you guys are guilty of that, man? How many of you guys are? I've done it. I mean, as a coach, 
I'm yelling at my girls, come on! And I mean, I know they're on the verge of passing out, okay? But here's what the questions today are, this. So how can we get better at running after Christ? Can you get better at this faith thing? Can you get better at following Christ? And I believe the answer is yes. And I, I think there is some, there are some solutions. I'm not offering an end-all today, all right? Buy my book, you'll be the best Christian ever. I don't even have a book, all right? Okay? But I think it, it is through coaching and it is through exercise. I think that you have to exercise your faith. I think that you have to be coachable, and I think that you should continuously be coaching someone else. Coaches don't get good by sitting around and not doing anything. A good coach will challenge you to be better than you are to do things that you, couldn't, that you didn't think you could do. And all of a sudden, you're achieving things that you never knew were possible. And I believe that it's a direct reflection in the life of a Christian. That you have to stay coachable, you have to stay moldable, and then you have to in turn turn around and do that to someone else. You have to coach someone else. And so how could we know what we're doing unless we're taught? You know, it's simple things when we talk about coaching, when we talk about going out and playing basketball or something like this. You say this to an eight-year-old kid like I did last season at the Y. This kid's huge. Uh, 12, I think he's, yeah, no, he's nine. Adrian, he's, he's like up to here. So he's going to be a large mammal, and he's probably going to be good at basketball. And I said, do a drop step. Glazed over, had no idea what I'm talking about. It's a simple move. You get the ball down here, you step over your opponent, and you put it in for a layup. But how would he have known that if I didn't teach him that? So we can't have this expectation that people are just going to know what to do. Rather, we should have an obligation to be a mentor to that person, knowing they're going to mess up, knowing they're not going to be perfect, but we're going to walk beside them anyways. And so when we run beside some of the things that we can do, we can run beside somebody. Don't run the race alone. Sometimes we get so caught up in being individuals in our society that we forget that we're on the team of Jesus Christ and that we want to run this thing alone because I can do this. I am strong. I am not weak. But if you're trying to do it on your own, that's going to be, that, is a, that is a battle that you don't want to fight. And in that, I think sometimes we do it on our own because we think of what, what are people going to think about me if I'm this weak in this area? And so we've got to get over that stuff. We've got to say, you know what, I don't want to run this thing alone. Quite frankly, it stinks. All right? And dude, I'm weak in this area, and I need your help. Will you run beside me in this race? Because like we said before, guess what? There's going to be times, and I've seen it happen, where you have to carry the person next to you. They are absolutely depleted of any energy, of any source of energy, and they cannot physically and spiritually go on. And you're going to have to be a person that carries that person. Because guess what? Here's what the beautiful thing is. Later on, they're going to carry you. If you allow yourself to be vulnerable to that. And so staying coachable, what does that mean? Staying coachable means this, that you have not arrived ever, that there is always something that you can learn from someone. Staying coachable is all about being humble. It's not about being prideful and boastful. It's about being humble. And so if we look real quick I want to go over some, a couple things here. In 2 Timothy 3, he's going to tell you this. Uh, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says this. 2 Timothy 3, we'll, we'll start in verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. And here's what I want you to think of when we're reading this. This is telling him, hey, this is what's going to happen. We need to get a picture that we need to be the exact opposite. I think he mentioned 17 things here. 
He says, people will only love themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others. They will have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends and be reckless, puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. When we go through that, we could go through that and say, okay, things I need not to do as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. I don't only need to love myself, I need to love others. I can, I can have money, I don't need to love it. See, because people think, you know, money is this horrible thing to have. I like paying my electric bill. I do, and I think everybody does. So money, it's the love of money. If the only thing is the pursuit of money, then we're wrong, right? So don't love your money. Don't, don't be prideful. Be hum- humble. Don't mock God. Love God. Obey God. Obey your parents. Be grateful. Consider things sacred. Marriage, sacred. The Bible is sacred. The Word of God is sacred. Worship is sacred. Don't be unloving. Be full of love. Be full of forgiveness, ready to forgive. Man, that one right there, that's tough, dude. Because when people hurt you, I think our automatic reaction as human beings is to hurt back or to shut down. But think about that. Be full of forgiveness, all right? Don't slander others. Talk good about others. You know, Johnny Wooden, he says this, famous coach, UCLA, he says this. He says, it's the little things that make a huge difference. It's the little things that make big things happen. And so we, we oftentimes, we want big things to happen without doing the little things. All right? We want big things to happen, and we want to stay unforgiving to people. We want big things to happen, but we want to be prideful when they do happen. Have self-control. Okay? Don't be cruel and hate what is good. Love what is good. Don't betray your friends. Be a true friend to them. Don't be reckless, but be under control. Don't be puffed up with pride. Again, be humble. Don't love pleasure more than God. Because we can get into that. We can love pleasure more than God. And see, what the reality and the check that we have to do in ourselves is this. Are we willing to stay a learner for the rest of our existence as human beings? Are we really willing to come under people's authority to come under the authority of God and then people's authority that he's placed us under? And are we willing to listen then to them? And so are we willing to change for the better is what this is. Because if we're going to take an inventory of who we are, no one in this room is perfect, correct? Perfect person, stand please. No? Okay. No, there's no one. I should be sitting. Sorry. Um, there's no one here. You know, and I, it's crazy to me how bad we feel about that. Okay? The last song, you're powerful and gracious. See, God loves us. It says to fear God. But what? That His mercies are new every morning. See, God loves you. He's pursuing you. And in, this, and in this pursuit, we have to be willing to take a risk. And risk is, you know, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. I do not think, we cannot say I could never do that. I could never raise someone from the dead. I could never pray for someone that's sick and see them be healed. I could never, I could never, I could never. This is an attitude that I think that lines up I know this. It lines up against God. God wants to use you. I think here's what we base. We say we've had an experience, therefore I haven't ever experienced that, therefore I can't do that. I haven't ever run a marathon, therefore I cannot. I haven't ever cycled 140 miles, therefore I cannot. Now, if I got with a fitness coach that knew what they were doing, 
and they started coaching me, and I started to put an effort forward, and I started actually moving my legs, if I started to get on a cycle, okay, una or bi or tricycle, okay, whatever you can do, and I did that, would I, then I would know what I could do. But this attitude of non-attempt is no good. See, because here's what I think. It keeps us in the pocket of Satan. I can't do that. I'm weak. All right? And it's the little things because there's no way that you're reading through Scripture and you're saying these things. You may think these things, but what do you believe deep down? Do you really believe that you're weak? You really believe. You might be in a weakened state, but you are not weak. You are strong. And so when Christ enters you, guess what? You are not weak. When the Spirit of God lives in you, this is the creator of all things that spoke into existence the world, the galaxies, the things that we don't even know about exist. They're there when He spoke, and He lives in you. And so when we, th- when we get weak in the race, guess what? We need to stay coachable. We need to be in this. This is not optional. You cannot, re- you cannot not read this. This has got to be something that you get up and you read every single day. And you don't read it out of obligation. You don't read it out of rote, but rather you read it because you know something is going to happen today. You need the Word of God. You need the strength. You need to be in a time of worship. I don't care if it looks like prayer or if it looks like you have a a song on or whatever you're doing. You need to be worshiping God. You need to be ready when that moment comes up. You need to be prepared that when you're walking through Walmart that something is going to happen. See, there needs to be an expectation. We can't part-time train for something. Yes. Yeah. A couple years ago, I was at home, and when we were living in Dallas, my son called and said, Mommy, I want you to pray for me because I'm going to a funeral home this afternoon, and we're going to pray for this boy that, uh, that, that died accidentally in a gunshot accident. I'm going to be going there with a the mom. And I said, yeah, sure. And so then I went out for a walk because I thought, my, my boy's going to the funeral home to try to raise the dead. <laughs> and I started. So I was walking and walking, and the Lord said, um, that's what I do, lives that are lost, restored. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that is what you do. So I was still walking, you know, and I was having a prayer walk, and I was still a little nervous about it. About 10 minutes later, the Lord said again, that's what I do. Lives that are lost, restored. So I felt a lot better about it. So when I got home from the walk, I, t- I called him and told him what, what I'd said, and he, he was real excited. And so then he went, and I asked him later, well, how did it go? And uh, he said, well... We were there for like, I don't know how many hours, maybe all day, and with the mom, and we were praying all day, and different people kept coming into the funeral home, and uh, they'd see me there with the mom, and we were praying and everything, and then they would leave, and then and they ended up inviting me, the, the boy didn't come back, but they ended up inviting me to, to, um, to, to help to, to the funeral, to preach at the funeral. Well, my boy doesn't, he's not very eloquent, he's not the preacher type. And, uh, but he said he, he was going to go and he was going to do that. And three or four people got saved. Mm. And then he later comments, he says, but I'm going to raise the dead. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, it's going to, we're going to raise the dead. I mean, that's the reality. And, and in that, and I know that he was talking about physical, but think about those four people that got saved. I mean, can we? That's awesome, you know. I mean, that's a, we always we always want, and we should always want the big stuff, right? But think about those four people that got saved. They were raised from the dead, out of the darkness and into the light. They became new creatures as they met Jesus Christ. See, we need to have a a continuing expectation. That why is the church in America 
right? Why is it lackadaisical? See, because you read about it all over the place. There's stuff going on because these people have an expectation. Guess what? They also have a dependency on Christ. They have a dependency. It's what they have. It's all that they have. You know, Scott and Nikki, they were in Turkey. Man, people that converted to Jesus Christ, guess what they had? They had Jesus Christ. Because, man, if you are in a Muslim family and you convert to Jesus, guess what? You do not have a family anymore, what, 99.9% of the time? You don't probably have a job anymore. And so we become dependent on. And so here's what, we don't have that luxury, if you'll call it that, in America. We have another luxury called living comfortably, all right? We can meet here. We don't have to worry about it. I converted as a Christian when I was, you know, really committed to my life to Jesus when I was 19 years old. I didn't, I wasn't concerned about losing my job, getting kicked out of college, uh, my family disowning me. We live in a perfect environment to come to Jesus, but we also live in a perfect environment to be mediocre in our faith. And we have got to buck a system that says it's okay to do that. We've got to say, no, it's not okay. We've got to have the expectation that, you know what, I'm willing to take risk. I'm willing to walk into a funeral home. My friend Trey Barrett, who lives in uh, North Carolina now, he went to China and he met a guy over there that walked into a Buddhist funeral. He didn't know anybody there. He walks in, he takes his hand of the kid that is dead, and he raises him up. All right? And Trey's interacting with this guy. He's like, is this dude even for real? Because this guy would just catch flights. He'd go to Soviet Russia. He'd catch flights. And next thing you know, he's teaching in front of 200 kids about Jesus Christ in Soviet Russia. And here's what the deal with this guy was, is that he was immediately obedient to what God wanted to do. He just did it. And we think about it. I mean, I know I've used this example before, but how short is our life? And how long are we going to sit around for the perfect scenario to come about for God to use us? Listen, you're never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. Because of Christ, we're good enough. You by yourself doing cannot do it on your own. You are not going to raise the dead. God is going to use you to raise the dead. You are not going to heal anybody. God is going to use you to heal somebody. You are not going to bring anybody to the Lord. God is going to use you to bring them to himself. We get this idea, and you can, I could never do that. You hit the nail on the head. But through Christ, I can do all things. And so when we continue to learn and mature, I think learning and being mature are paramount in our faith. What does maturity and faith look like? It looks like this. That when we get offended by something, that we can forgive and move on. That we are not going to sit there and focus for three years about an offense that was done against us. But we are going to say there is a greater calling in the kingdom of God, and we are going to forgive. And guess what we're going to do? Maturity would be this. I have a problem with you and what you said. Now, I can react in two ways. Well, forget you. Your feelings aren't real. Or I can say, you know what? I am, I'm, I am completely sorry. Like I, a lot of the time, how many of you guys are with me? A lot of the times you say stuff and you don't even like, you're not meaning it. You just say stuff and then someone's hurt by it. You don't ever know that they're hurt by it, you know. Six weeks later you find out. Okay? And then guess what? You got to work through that stuff. Because it's easier to say, I'm just quitting the race. Just forget it, man. That attitude is horrible. Here's why that attitude is horrible. Because you are an intricate part of the body. If your left ventricle just decided to say, you know what? I'm done. 
you're done. Okay? If you're, I don't know, pinky decides to get hurt, okay, guess what, man? It, I mean, it affects what's going on. There's this weird numbness there now. I don't feel anything there. <laughs> It'll come back, they say. I believe it will, all right? But it affects. affects when I grip something, all right? That little thing, you know? And so you, I want, that's, if I could just stress something this morning in the race, you, your participation in the race is so important. There is not a person in this place that does not have a role to play in running after God. There's not a person, now here's running after God. You are significant in the body of God. Whether you're back in children's church right now and you're six months old or whether you're in here and you're 90 plus, guess what? You're significant. You have something to offer, and you offer it until the end. And so we have to ask this question. As we mature then, guess what? We're going to look in um, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians five sixteen says this. That's 2 Corinthians 5.16. So we should stop evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs in Christ, anyone who belongs in Christ that has become a new person, the old life is gone and the new life has begun. Old life is gone, the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, that we could be made right with God through Christ. Think about this for a moment. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You are employed by Jesus Christ. You are employed by the living God to go out and make disciples of people. Look at this. In First Peter, it says this. In 1 Peter 2, 1 through 12, So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. So that you will grow into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, see, Listen to this, verse 4. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. You need to listen to this. I need to listen to this, verse 5. And you are the living stones that God is building his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. That is not just for chosen people. He is saying in here, you are living stones that are building a spiritual temple. You are his holy priests. Dude, if that doesn't strike a chord in you, I don't know what does. Here's what the chord it strikes in me, and it struck in me as I'm going through this stuff, is this, that God is pursuing people, and he's using us to do it. We get to do the work of God. We get to do the work of God. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And here's what you have to say then, as we look, look at one more passage with me in Philippians Three. 
17 through 21. Philippians 3, 17 through 21. Again, this is uh, Paul writing, and he, he says this. And I want, I want you to picture yourself saying this to someone. Okay? Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again, that with tears in my eyes, that there are many who conduct shows whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross. I just want to stop right there. How many of you guys in this room, and how, how could I, could I say this? Could I say Paul's words? Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your life after mine. We're just going to stop right there. Pattern your life after mine. One confession. All right. Think about that, though. Man, Andy, you're kind of getting heavy this morning. What else are we going to do? I'm going to leave here with uh, cotton candy, unicorns. Okay, we got to get real here. All right? Dude, being a Christian, a follower of Christ, dude, it's tough stuff. And could we repeat that? We could say, pattern your life after mine. And that's not a boastful statement that he's making. Here's what Paul gave. He held a mantle of leadership because why? Not because he just gave spiritually to the church and wrote them nice letters. He gave of himself, flesh and blood of himself, to be a follower of Christ. You think about that for a second as we go back to part one. What is my faith costing me? It has got to cost you something. It has got to cost you something. If we are just floating along in faith, then I believe that we have a mediocre, weak faith. Guess what? In some situations, it's going to cause some strife. In some situations where maybe with your children, where you believe something wholeheartedly, you believe in the Word of God wholeheartedly, and, and your child maybe goes away for a while. That is, that's, that is, I can only imagine, one of the most painful things to experience as a, as a parent. But here's what, you, what do you do? You just give up? Okay? No. You keep praying, and you say, God, just come have your way. God, help me to be Christ to them. Every time that I interact with them, help me to be Christ to them. Forgiveness, always, 70 times 7. Understanding, always. See, because, guys, if we, if, we, if we think that we can think of people that are completely involved in the world, and we can judge them by Christian standards, we are crazy. These people haven't had a real relationship with Jesus Christ. How do we expect them to act like Christians? Oh, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, come on, seriously? It's getting bad. It's been bad. Are you kidding? Study a history book. I've said it before and it probably won't be the last time I say it. The world's not getting worse. The media coverage is getting better. Everybody has a phone. What do you do to catch something, man? This isn't a phone, by the way. All right? I don't have it right now. You, you, you video everything, right? So the bad stuff that's going on, like Clayton's videoing me right now, you creep, okay? Um, <laughs> the bad stuff that's going on. <laughs> used to be a high school teacher. Watch out. All right. Used to be. Yeah, as of last Friday. So, man, think about that. So can we stop with, you know, oh, we're going downhill. We've been on descent. We've been there. You ever heard of Adam and Eve? Okay. (laughs) That's where it started. Okay? And now we feel like we're at this velocity that we've never been before. Let me tell you something. When God's going to break in is now. 
Now, we can sit back and we can rely on this person or this person or this state representative or county representative. They're going to come in. They're going to change everything. Yeah, that's worked throughout history. The thought process. Just think with me logically for a second. Take the heart out of it and think with me logically. What's going to change? It's not going to be a person in office. See, because our allegiance isn't with a person in office. Our allegiance, our allegiance, and this might offend some of you, isn't to a flag. But it's to Jesus Christ. See, and if we don't have that mindset of, guess what, we got to run this race. No matter how ugly things get, no matter how much persecution we may face, we've got to keep running this race. I've got to have this stuff. Can you imagine one day if you don't have access to the 30 Bibles you have at your house or you don't have access to online? What do you know about your Creator? How can you lead people to Christ if you don't know anything? That's why I just think this. If, if you're not reading this, you're living a bogus life. I'm just going to come to church on Sunday. Great. What are you doing outside of that? How are you exercising your faith? And so ultimately, it looks like this. We have to understand that leadership, mentorship, and discipleship are our responsibilities. It is not the responsibility of church leadership for you to disciple somebody. It is not the responsibility for us to assign you someone to mentor. It is not the responsibility that you decide that you're going to disciple somebody. As individuals in the body of Christ, we should be praying, God, who is the next mentor? Who am I going to mentor next? Who am I going to disciple next? Who am I going to have to go through the trenches with? Who am I going to see make some stupid mistakes? And I'm going to love them in spite of that. Because I want to show them what the love of Christ is. Not that we justify their wrong, but we're walking beside them. We're running beside them. See, who's going to call people in to the kingdom? If we're just sitting here enjoying Sunday morning coffee. If we think it ends now, we're fooled. And we're in a horrible place. If we think this is the apex of our faith. I'd love for Sunday mornings to become a time where people come up. Here's what went on during the week. See? Because that's how we're sharpened. This is what's happening. And it's not a bragging session. It's not about pride. It's about here's what happened. Here's the reality of the situation. I ran the race this week, man. Had to pick somebody up. Right? I was running the race this week. Hey, I stumbled. I'm mentoring someone. Guess what? Didn't go real well. (coughs) (coughs) And so I just, I want to pray for us. We're going to have some stuff coming up, um, getting with uh, um, the principal of Medell Elementary. Found out we had a great, um, a great time. Uh, that we we're going to have some counseling as a family with the adoption placement and all this stuff, and uh, met a guy. Just, it, was, it was awesome. He came into our house. We were really concerned about it because we were really concerned about this humanistic point of view that... that um, that could say, hey, you're a victim and you're going to stay a victim and this is the way you act. And we didn't really want that. Uh, we wanted a, a Christian point of view that was going to say, okay, this is what happened to you. This is where we're moving on. What are you going to do? What are you going to be? Who are you in Christ? This guy shows up with a ring on that has a cross on it. And you know how that goes. I mean, sometimes you meet people. And so yeah, I, said, I said, are you a believer? And he said, yeah, I am. <coughs> Actually, my study is in... Um, my master's is in biblical counseling. 
and I'm writing a doctorate right now on uh, my dissertation on attachment and uh, how relationships can prevent a lot of stuff that's going on in kids' lives. And so I was like, <coughs> of course, I'm sitting at the dining room table. I'm like, because that was a big burden for Jen and I. We didn't want somebody coming in our home and interfering with our kids. That <coughs> wasn't going to be good. He said, also, I like, to, um, I like to do family counseling. I don't like for any triangulate, triangulation to happen. So, you know, pitting parents against kids or anything like that. So uh, that was good stuff. But we have, and in that, up to all that to say this, we're going to learn from this guy. Learn some stuff to do. And we've got to be able to learn um, from each other. Like I said, we're, we're contacting Medella Elementary School, and the whole point of that story was this guy goes to Medella Baptist, and Medella Baptist partners with Medella Elementary. And so this is a school that we're going to be partnering with here. And so the deal is this, you know, Katie's going to, we're going to talk and we're going to meet. Katie Noter's going to kind of head this thing up is we want to, we want to set up, we want these kids to be, they be known, let it be known that they are loved by Christ. And man, there's going to be some footwork. We're going to have to do uh, background checks. We're going to have to do volunteer, you know, get with the school board. We got to get IDs and all this stuff. We got to get checked in and, and there's going to be some footwork that has to go with it. Um, and then, you know, Jolene uh, Harthen has expressed uh, interest in, in tutoring. And so we want to help these kids, you know. And we, in, the, in turn, we're going to have interaction with their parents. And we, such a responsibility we have with kids. A huge responsibility we have with kids. And so we're going to need... You guys, and we have stuff that we want to set up. We want to set up events that are going to go on here at church. And you know what? We need more than three people to show up. We need, like, everyone to show up. All right? And so we want to do that because I want you guys to have the realization that the mantle of leadership is, is on everyone. Everyone. I think we can, we have maybe beaten the saying to death. We're just going to keep kicking though. Um, until we get it is this, you know what? Everybody plays. How does that? And if that strikes a discord with you, I'm asking you, okay, if it strikes a discord, don't let the phrase strike a discord. The reality of this, everybody plays loving God, loving people. How am I playing? How am I on the team? What am I giving? What effort am I giving? Have I realized that, man, you know what? I need to have a spiritual awakening to realize that I can impact the lives of other people. I can do this, and God through me is going to do this. You know? It's risk. It's risky. We don't know. I don't know what, you know, we didn't know when we had children what Ellie or... Caden uh, or Lily or Mia or Drew, I don't know what they're going to do with their lives. I don't know. God does. You know, when Jen married me, we'll just dot, dot, dot that one. I mean, I got. <laughs> Hey, let me tell you, I got the good end of that bargain. Don't anybody say true, okay? Don't, I don't want to hear it, okay? But it's, like, it's life, right? We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, really, we don't. So we can't look back and we can't say, man, I'd hate, I'd hate to be on my, my dying bed saying, what if? You know, I want to I be... Uh, like Paul when he said, you know what, I've given it all. Everything that I had, I gave. And let's do it. Everything that I had, I gave. There is nothing, there is no regret that I have because I gave everything to Christ. And so as a body, I think that needs to start to be a loving God, loving people. That needs to be the heart cry of who we are then. God, you're gracious and you're powerful and you want to use us. 
You've taken our sin away, and we want to be used by you. And so here's what I want to do uh, to end today is this. I want to, I want to just have a, a, a time of prayer uh, for us. I want to pray for everybody, not individually. That would take forever. Okay? If we were in another country, everybody would be all about it. All right? Six hours of church, it's all good. All right? Here's what I want to do, though. I want us to, uh, first is this, uh, for teenagers, okay? If you're 19 or under, I want you to stand up right now. I know, if you're new here, it's kind of like, what am I doing, all right? I'm not going to have you do anything weird, all right? Okay, we're going to do some jumping jacks. No, I'm joking. All right, (laughs) here's the deal. I want to pray for you all. Is this. Look, guys, look around, okay? Look around. There's other people in the room that are your age. It's crazy. All right? Here, let me tell you something. You have authority in Jesus Christ. If you, if you call on Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have authority in Christ. Okay? We've got a couple that aren't here today. Steve, your boys aren't here. Okay? We're going to... They're included. They're under our umbrella. All right? If you know some that aren't here today, so we're just going to pray right now. All right? And here's what I want you guys to do. I said I wouldn't have you do anything weird. It's not really weird. Just go like this. That's all I want you to do. Teenagers, do this. All right? All this means is, God, I want to receive what you want to do. That's it. Okay? So, God, a mantle of leadership over each one of these people that are represented here and that aren't here today, we pray a mantle of leadership. We want to pray for a hunger that is unceasing. God, a hunger that that goes after you with all that they are. God, thank you for their young, energetic beings. And God, I want to pray that you would have them use that to follow you wholeheartedly. God, as some of them have graduated this year, God, what are they going to do next? And some that are still in high school and middle school, would you just come in power, God? Would you come in power? Would you move in their lives? Would you help them to know that in you they have confidence that they need, that it's not the world or the way that they look or or this or that that gives them the backbone. It is the way that you believe in them, the way that you want to use them, and I pray that you would use them in a mighty way. God, we know that they're they're on summer right now. Who cares? Use them mightily. God, when they go back to school, use them mightily. But right now, God, with the people that they're hanging out with, the words that they say, the things that they do, the jobs that they're at, would you use them in a powerful way? In Jesus' name, you guys can sit down. You are leaders in the kingdom. Those of you that just sat down, you're leaders in the kingdom. No one can tell you otherwise. And if they do, they're lying to you. You have the potential to do great things right now. Not at a later date, right now. From 20 to 35, stand up. From 20 to 35, if that's you. I know. 20 to 35, some of you are thinking, good grief. 36 years old, okay. All right. 20 to 35, this is you. All right, awesome. Some of you are parents, okay? Some of you are not, all right? Thank you. All right, here's what I want to pray over you. These are 20 to 35, dude, I mean, talk about some good years, all right? I remember my 20s, barely, no. Those are good years, man, all right? And so, God, we just want to pray over these that are standing right now. Man, the energy is still there, even at 36. We'll extend it, all right? The energy is still there, but, God, you want to use them. You want to use them, man. These are young leaders, and we just want to pray that you would just use them, that we pray for the mantle of leadership to come over them where they work, the people that they influence, 
the, the, as their parents, God, that they would just shine the light of Christ to their children. And when their children look at them, they would know, mom and dad don't have it all together, but they're following after Christ. And so, God, we want to pray for this group that would mentor the next group, that group of teenagers. God, we just pray that, that their lives would be a reflection of who you are. In Jesus' name. <coughs> 35, 36 to 50. 36 to 50. All right. Now, this is a dangerous group because this group thinks they can still be in their 20s, but they realize that their tendons aren't what they used to be. I'm in that group. Okay? Man, my vertical leap went down several inches over the last couple of years, okay? But man, what a group, though. Okay? And so we want to pray over this group. This is 36 to 50. God, leadership. God, I pray that as, as we're in this, this time of our lives, God, that we would not have crisis to be back in our youth. But God, to know that we are born for such a time as this. God, right now where we're at, God, that you would just come and move. Put on our hearts that we have to lead. We've got to lead. Our lives have got to be a reflection of who you are, God, so that we can influence those groups that came before us. God, and as we get to the other part of that, that we're not, maybe not relevant anymore, a complete and total lie because your word is relevant always. God, we're not as cool as we were, and that's okay. And so I just pray that you would just move in a mighty way. Again, for parents in this age group, God, that godly examples, that their children, if they're near or far, would know that their parents are following after you. And because of that, their lives have a reflection that changes everything and changes their perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll just do 50 and up. I know these are kind of different. I'm making these up as I go, okay? I mean, I'm going to hear about it later on in the week, okay? I'm good with that, though. 50 and up, if, if that's you, I'd love for you to stand. Ma'am, here's what I want to say to you all is this. All right, you are a critical person. See, because I feel, <laughs> yes, okay, you are critical. Here, here is the deal. Sometimes, and I know this, I don't know this from experience, but I know that I've heard people say this, as they start to get silver hairs, they start to age a little more, they become irrelevant. And that is an absolute lie. See, because in those silver hairs, there lies so much wisdom and truth. There lies a story that needs to be told. And so what we want to do, we want to honor you. We want to say this. We want to say that you are absolutely important to this body. That you have no clue sometimes what these kids are talking about. Zero clue. But here's what these kids know is that you love them. And that you'll stand by them. And that your story is so important that we want to hear it. And it matters. And the stuff that you've gone through in your life, it matters. And the way that God has um, taken you from nothing into an ambassador of Christ, it matters. 
And so we want to pray over you all. Thank you, God, for these leaders. These women among women, these men among men, we thank you for their lives. We thank you that their lives absolutely matter. And that until their last breath, they would serve you with all that they are. God, I pray for energy. I pray for continued wisdom. And I pray for a maturity in you. That from everyone 49 and down can look at these people and know that is someone I want to follow. And so we pray that over everyone in this room, God, that's, that's 50 and older right now, vision. We pray vision over their lives. Where they don't think they can do something, I pray that you would show them that they can. Where they think they are weak, I pray that they would be strong. God, I just pray that you would just have your way in their lives, that you would turn stuff on in them that they have never done before for you. God, I pray that for the person in here that that thinks they can't do anything for you, that you would remove that, that they're not good enough, that you would remove that, that they've lived this life that's a life that shouldn't be lived for you. Well, guess what? Today's a new day. And so we just pray for grace mercy, and continued vision until the end, God, that they would serve you with their whole hearts and their whole lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If everybody, you guys stay standing, everybody else stand up. If you guys need any specific ministry, there's going to be some people up here that are going to come up right now, and uh, they're going to be up here to pray with you. If that's you, I don't want you leaving today. If you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're thinking, man, I, I want to know this God of mercy and this God of grace. And I want my life to be changed as a result of that. If that's you, then I want you to come up and I want you to talk to one of these people. And you're going to be able to grow in Christ. Because it's a simple yes to Christ. It's a simple check-in to the race. And as the race continues, that that there be encouragement through a body that loves you. And so if you need any prayer or anything like that, come up, uh, and we are going to, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be out of here. Let me, let me encourage you with this. Next week uh, is my dad's, Pastor Dave's, last uh, sermon as the lead pastor of this church. Um, and I just want to throw that out there. I don't, I'm not, you know, don't get them a Mercedes or anything like that. Okay. Um, he'll hand it right back to you. Uh, but you know, think about that. And we have his retirement party coming up and I would, I would just ask you, you know, not only, I guess it's cause he's my dad. Yeah. I love him. And so, but man, could you clear your schedule for that? Could we, could we honor him and my, or him and Jan, sorry, who is my mom? All right who was my mom before she was Pastor Jan or whatever. So I just pray that you, you would just think about that, all right? And the only thing I could think about what would be super cool is just next week when he's done speaking, can we just, we just I feel like we just need to honor him because he's done a lot. Um, and I mean, I would not be who I am today uh, without him. And so whatever that looks like, I don't know. Pray about it. I'm not going to give specific instructions. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I might put a banana suit on and start going crazy. I don't know what I'm going to do, okay? But some, you know, think about it. And so I think it's just cool. Um, <clears throat> it's a cool thing. And the, in this awesome, it, in his uh, last sermon is on Father's Day. And so, it's good. And so, uh, let's pray. You are so good, God. You are so wonderful. And so, God, we thank you uh, for this time here this morning. God, would you just come and have your way in our lives as we exit this building that we would leave here on mission for you to love God and to love people.
And so I just pray as ministry time continues that you would just have your way, that you would move in power. And so we, we just say, not through rope, but we say, Holy Spirit, come in this place and minister to the needs of the people that are here. And God, we just pray that we'd have a great week in following you. Whatever risk that may involve, that we would just do what you want to do. We would hear your voice and we would obey it. That the mantle of leadership that is placed upon us is a great thing. And not to be taken lightly. I just pray that as we are in our situations, God, that you would just move. You would speak clearly. That you'd give us wisdom and that we could move in your power. In Jesus' name, amen. So if that's you, you need any prayer, come on up. Um, Other than that, have an awesome week. We'll see you next week.